baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. In just the past week, Chicago aldermen extended experimental rules allowing retail vendors who sell clothing, jewelry, and such to operate from trucks, much like food vendors. And one alderman tried to restart attempts to close a loophole in the city's anti-puppy mill law. Meanwhile, city officials are investigating the practices of pharmacy business managers. This week, we're going to talk with the Chicago commissioner who oversees all of those issues and many others. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this week is about to mark one year in her present job. She is Rosa Escareño, Chicago's Commissioner of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection. The work is even bigger than it sounds, and it sounds pretty big. Uh, Ms. Escareño is not only responsible for presiding over commercial licensing and such, but she also regulates the taxi and ride-sharing industries, pet shops, vacation rental sites like Airbnb, and much more. Rose Escareño is what I like to call a mayoral troubleshooter. She's been with the city of Chicago for a good while. I won't say how many years. Uh, going back to the Daly administration, though. And she's been in the press office, public health, family and support services, the libraries, and plenty more. She goes where she's needed and has a knack for solving problems and crafting public policy and also communicating. And now she is at BACP. Rosa Escareño, welcome. Oh, I'm exhausted already, Craig. <laughs> Thank you for well, you having have, me. You have a job that really should be keeping you exhausted. You're commissioner in a department where it seems the rules are always changing, and I'm not talking about the rules and regulations for city licenses, although those have been changing and getting fewer and a little bit easier. Um, uh, but I'm talking about the business landscape itself. Uh, years ago, no one ever heard of Uber or Airbnb or imagine mobile restaurants to the degree that we have them now. How can the city keep up? How well does the city keep up with all of this change? You know, you know, this is a very dynamic time for businesses. And, and I think you're right. Uh, business, uh, business is changing every day. I think consumer demand is also driving that change. And, and I think if consumers aren't interested, then there is no change. And so I think it's a very exciting time. And you're right. Uh, things um, are changing. I think the important part of government and in our jobs is to be nimble, to listen, and to try to really adapt to those uh, changing uh, market forces that are out there. Uh, now, the Emanuel administration has long embraced the new technologies and new modes of doing business, but is every new way of doing things a good thing? I mean, there's been some growing pains uh, along the way with these new new things. Absolutely. You know, I think uh, often uh, some of these uh, new businesses or industries are interrupting the marketplace. Uh, I think we learned that when Uber, Rideshare, um, Rideshare, Uber, Lyft came into the market. Um, and it was a, an entirely new thing. And the interesting thing with that, though, is that once you get to the consumer and the consumer wants that service, 
Um, our job is to figure out how do we ensure that the public is safe? How do we make sure that consumers are protected? And so it's about having that dialogue and really bringing in those new um, uh, market uh, interrupters, if that's what we want to call them, bring them into the fold and figure out how do we adjust our regulatory framework to ensure that we can coexist and that really our job is to keep the public safe, consumers um, protected, and to allow industries to grow um, and to allow them, if that's what customers are looking for, so long as they're doing it safely and are, um, are being respectful of the process, uh, it's what's important to us. And let's use uh, the ride sharing as an example. It's the, probably the biggest one in the city. Uh, it also seems to be a balancing act because you have an established industry that would be the taxi cab industry that has its way of doing things. Uh, this new player comes in and then it's a matter of how the regulations uh, affect the different businesses. And let's face it, for a while, I, I think it would be fair to say that uh, the ride-sharing companies felt that they didn't really have to pay attention to any, I mean, that they were just a different thing and that they didn't really have to go by the, the city's regulations. But obviously that changed. But still, you get complaints from the taxi drivers that this is an industry that's basically strangling them. You know, it's, it's a balancing act. And absolutely, how do we level the playing field? Um, how do we ensure um, that the market is, um, we don't control the marketplace. We have to step into it and ensure that everybody is operating in, the, in, their, in their space. Um, the interesting thing about rideshare and taxis is that they are essentially two very different business models. I think if, if rideshare in its concept operated just like a taxi industry and they were just a whole new company, then we had a regulatory framework for it, which was the taxi industry. However, when we when they came in, they, they are completely different and very, very distinct. And so when we uh, when the city uh, started looking at how to regulate this industry, we had to go back to the beginning and figure out what are, what is your activity? What is it that you do? You are an app company, but then you're allowing individuals to, to use their own vehicles very different from the taxi industry. So I, I think what's important about that particular example, and I think it's, it's, it's interesting that that initial big company that came in is no different today than how other uh, app-based uh, businesses are coming into the marketplace. They are being disruptive. We, we are hearing more recently that we have storefronts that are becoming vacant because maybe some of the new uh, apps that are coming into the marketplace are um, driven by consumers. So consumers uh, want to use their phone, want predictability, want uh, uh, that direct connection to the service that they are getting. And I think the, the rideshare industry was that initial step into this new way of doing business. And so... I think that these these new entrants into the marketplace are shaking things up. And so how do we at the city make sure that we are looking at those that are already existing? In this case, the taxi industry. That's why in 2018, as part of our budget, we established a variety of reforms to try to really begin to deregulate um, some of the areas where we felt the taxi industry uh, needed to be deregulated. Again, 
un- trying to just, uh, our job is not to run business. Our job is to figure out how we're getting in the way. And as long as w- there isn't a compromise to public safety, how then we are able to, to make that balance. Uh, and you probably also have to get used to neither side being ridiculously thrilled with uh, with what the compromises are that uh, that you have to come up with. You know, I think that when we are looking at regulation, uh, oftentimes somebody is going to be unhappy. Um, I think uh, I think our job is really about doing what we feel is right in protecting the public and ensuring that there are regulations that um, that have a balance between making sure that the business, the industry is continuing to operate while at the same time that there are safeguards in place. And, you know, in many, in many occasions, not everybody walks away happy. We just have to make sure that we are, are trying to be balanced in our approach. Uh, I want to turn to another uh, business that at least has been making headlines lately and is also a sort of a new way of doing things. And that's on the uh, retail trucks uh, that came up uh, ahead of the last city council meeting. Uh, There's been a pilot program for about two years now to see if brick-and-mortar stores can coexist with mobile vendors. Um, Alderman Tom Tunney, who is himself a businessman, says he's worried about the rules. that The retail trucks for people who haven't been following this are, it's like the food trucks, except that they're selling goods. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it could be be trinkets and jewelry. It could be clothing. Mostly it's clothing, I guess. uh, Yes, they're goods. Uh, yeah, um, and and related things. Alderman Tunney says he's a little worried about the rules that require the retail trucks to move every two hours, which is what the food trucks also have to do. Uh, the truck owners say this is not enough time, but the brick and mortar retailers are saying that uh, that there there should also be a regulation that they keep further away because they are in danger. Again, another balancing act. Clearly. These things haven't been worked out yet, which is why the rules have been extended. But where do you go from here? So this is another great example of the the marketplace just changing and evolving. Um, With the uh, mobile boutiques, a couple years ago, these operators came to us and we had no licensing structure for them. Um, The good thing is that the mayor about four years ago established an emerging business permit. What the emerging business permit process allows is for these new entrants into the marketplace to be permitted to um, test their concept in the marketplace. And then as a result of that, we, we monitor their, their operation in real time. We, are, we impose some uh, requirements like insurance and, and safety requirements that we think need to be in place. But for the most part, we try to put them back out there and see how they work. Over the past two years, the mobile boutique operators have been um, operating with a two-hour um, um, uh, time restriction. We did not impose a location uh, restriction primarily because we think the mobile boutiques, just like a retail store, operate very differently from restaurants, which is consistent with how food trucks operate. And so we did have a distinction in the location. We uh, we believe, based on what we're hearing from the business community, is that when people go shopping for clothes or just general goods, is that that's an experience. You go in one store and buy shoes, and the next store you buy scarves, and maybe at the next store you buy bracelets. And so that's different. When you go buy food, it's usually you're going there for lunch. You're going there because you're hungry and you want a meal. And so you make a choice. With retail, it's actually quite different. 
what we are hearing in terms of over the past two years where these trucks have operated is that they actually create a little bit more of an ambiance uh, and they create a little bit more vibrancy uh, because people now have another choice. And um, so we use those two years to establish that uh, ordinance that we put through. Now, I think the aldermen were a little bit uh, concerned because they felt that they didn't know enough about the model. Our primary goal with this was to ensure that these boutique operators, because the permit um, expired June uh, 15th, was to really put them into a permanent licensing structure. If the aldermen want a little bit more time, um, as you see, there's a debate about whether they should be parked only for two hours or we should allow them longer. Uh, so I think this is prov- this additional year that we've extended the permit uh, will allow us a little bit more time to look at it. And we want um, the legislators and the business community to feel comfortable. Now, again, I think like every legislation, not everybody's going to be happy, but our goal is to strike that right balance. And so we'll take a year to do that. And, and right now there are only six operating uh, licensees, which, uh, and we talked to uh, Alderman Tunney just, uh, just a couple of days ago, and he, he said, you know, even though he's worried about the competition for retailers in his area, he says he actually wants to see more licensees because it's hard to tell what the effect is going to be with only six. Right. And, and I think that that's, uh, that's why we were looking to move them into a hard license, because we feel that that will open the door for other um, unique concepts to come in. Again, talking about the changing marketplace, mobile trucks is just one way, new way that um, uh, entrepreneurs are looking to sell their goods. But this is also for us, those vacant store fronts that they talk about are also important for us. And this is why uh, the reforms that mayor recently announced uh, talks about pop-up, the creation of a pop-up license. What we are seeing, and again, this is How are we meeting the business community where they are at? How are we trying to really align with where the entrepreneurs are going? The pop mobile boutiques, somewhat similar to the pop-up concept is that. Can you explain what what the pop-up concept is as we go along? Absolutely. So what we are learning, and this is not, this is what is currently happening. uh, An individual decides that before they sign a long-term lease and make a long-term commitment in a particular brick and mortar, is that they want to test their product and pop into a location, maybe for a week, maybe for three months, maybe for 90, I'm sorry, maybe for for 30 days, 60 days. And what that allows these new entrepreneurs to do is to go into a neighborhood, set up shop for a few days, promote themselves via online, and see how much traffic they get. And if that doesn't work, then they pick up and they go to another neighborhood and pop up there again. So we know that that's already happening. And so what we uh, what we are doing is this is the reason why this pop-up uh, permit, uh, I'm sorry, this pop-up license that we are creating, and we're right now in the midst of thinking through that concept, it would do two things. It would provide a license for the location to allow different types of concepts to pop in and out of that location. And this is perfect for empty storefronts that maybe they're just having a difficult time leasing it out. It allows people to do this very temporarily. And then we would issue a different license to the individual so they, they can actually move around the city. Our current licensing structure does, did never anticipated this. And so I think that this is an important way for us to, again, 
Where is business going? Where are they at? We should not, government should not step in and try to tell business how they should be evolving. We should look at what they're doing and be nimble and flexible where we can. And if we don't have a structure, then we need to go and create one. And that is our role. That is what I've been directed to do. And this, these are two great examples of, of, of how we are trying to meet the businesses where they are at today. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and my guest is Rosa Escareño, Chicago's Commissioner of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection. Um, toward that that end, um, and I know I've I've attended one of these, or at least part of one of these. Uh, you've been meeting with business owners uh, periodically uh, about uh, city regulations and procedures. Uh, I don't want to call them gripe sessions, but probably they are to some degree. But I also gather that there are constructive uh, suggestions and questions, too. Uh, What are you learning Mm -hmm. from these times when you do sit down with a myriad business uh, people? You know, uh, yes, Craig, we've actually over the past several months, we've been we've been having ongoing dialogue with the business community. And what um, I, along with uh, members of my team, are trying to do, we really are trying to get onto the neighborhoods and really have sincere dialogue with the businesses. I will tell you, yes, we hear gripes and we hear concerns and we take those very seriously. You know, I have to tell you, our small businesses in Chicago, and I'm sure that's the same across the country, they are warriors they are fighters they are in it to stay and the the changing marketplace poses a lot of challenges for them and and they want to remain open they look to government to try to see how we can make things easier for them and certainly we hear there's a lot of regulation um and you know certainly we have to look at the regulation that the city has in place but there we're talking to businesses that are dealing with state regulation federal regulation so my job and what I've been instructed to do by the mayor is how do we simplify our process? How do we get out of the way for businesses? So through these conversations and this dialogue, we've been learning um, that there are even simple things. You know, let me, uh, the mayor just introduced an ordinance uh, yesterday in city council. Uh, one is to reduce the license fee for um, uh, limited business license. That's like your basic license registration for a temporary time frame. And then we're also going to do the year-round um, sidewalk cafes. These types of initiatives and reforms came from those, what you're calling gripe sessions, but they're really the conversations with our business owners, even simple things. So um, Lisa and Mark Borelli own a pizza shop on the city's north side on Lawrence Avenue. And they they said to us, you know, we have so many things to consider. There are expenses to our lease. There are, you know, salaries to our employees. There are just taxes in general. Is there anything, any small break that the city can provide, even a small break on licensing, even if it's for a short uh, time frame, that would be very helpful. And, you know, we said, let's see how we can do that. And so that's why we're going, we, we actually took that feedback. They're the ones that came up with that idea and we implemented. Same thing with the restaurant side. They're like, why why do why does the city tell us that we can only operate a, a cafe in nine months? Sometimes January is actually warmer than our May. Our May has been really cold. And so they're right. Why should we tell them how to run their business? And so we took that. Um, and it's things like that that we feel at the government that we can just peel back. Absolutely. We are very much open to doing that. 
I'm also looking to see where in our inspections and or even license types, where could we further eliminate red tape for them? But let me uh, ask the, the question from the other side. The effort obviously is to get out of the way of businesses trying to do business, but the other half of your job is consumer protection. Absolutely. And how do you get out of the way of business but be there to protect consumers from businesses that might use that leeway to either cut corners or, I mean, you know, how, how do you do both of those things? And it's a balancing act, absolutely. Um, I think if we go back to some of the comments I made earlier, it's really about how are we ensuring public safety is not compromised and how are we ensuring that consumer protection is at the forefront of everything we do. So as we look at licensing types uh, or new regulations that we're crafting is how do we ensure that we're, we're, we're doing it in a way that doesn't impose additional regulation while at the same time make sure that businesses are, are not uh, going to be uh, not having an opportunity to defraud uh, consumers, ensuring that there are enough strong requirements within these laws to protect the consumers, to protect the public, so that we are not losing sight of what's really important. And, you know, I think business owners say to us all the time, we also want to make sure that our consumers are protected. They also want to make sure that they are not put in a situation where life safety is going to be compromised. So I think it's a balancing act. Sometimes that is very challenging. Uh, and those are maybe areas where we hear gripes, but we are not going to make any compromises on public safety or consumer protection. Does BACP have the manpower? To, I mean, your portfolio is was one of the biggest I've ever seen. I, uh, you know, maybe transportation is the other department that that handles a lot more than it sounds. But do you have the manpower to police or to regulate? all of these various types of businesses and protect the consumers? You know, that's a, a very interesting question. And when I'm asked that question, I guess I, I look to the business owners. I think we're all in the same boat when it comes to, do we have enough resources to do everything that we need to? And, you know, I have to be honest. If no, we don't. But when you prioritize the most important parts of what the job is, and you place your resources according to those priorities and the areas of importance, again, public safety, consumer protection, and where the public is telling us that we need to be, that's what's a priority for me. So my resources across our department, and this is no different than actually how our small business owners operate. They look at what is their priorities. I look at what are my priorities? What are the residents telling me I need to be doing? So we look at our complaints. We are a complaint-driven department. Where we hear the complaints is where our resources are going to be devoted. Where um, a good thing about the licensing side of the house in my department is that since the mayor got here, he's been on a, a relentless push to be paperless and to be as transparent as we can be. Why that is so helpful to the resource question is that we can either take people our walk-ins, which we encourage people to do when they have those really tough questions, we are there to help them. But where you don't ever have to leave your house and do business right online 
And that's a, a way that we can expedite and troubleshoot some of those, um, you know, the, the hundreds and thousands of people that we have to address. The paperless and technology has been a great resource for us. Um, let's take a, a couple of industries and see where they stand right now. Uh, for the uh, vacation rental people uh, like Airbnb, uh, the city created a registry for hosts. These are the people who say, my spare room or uh, my my house, part of my house can be uh, used in, for vacation rentals. Um, how is that going? I know it, it, is, it is underway right now. Are people actually signing up? You know, this is... Uh this has been very a very interesting process. So we're coming on on the one year uh, since uh, we licensed uh, the ordinance. Uh, I'm sorry, the in the the first company, and this is Airbnb, was licensed. It was licensed uh, June fifteenth. Will be a year ago. And um, yes, what we did is we established a sophisticated database. And when you go when you ask me the question about resources, is this is the way that we are going to manage our resources. This was one of the more complex ordinances or legislations um, to regulate this industry. And what we did is we knew that our resources weren't going to be able to handle uh, this ordinance. So we went out and established a very um, sophisticated database that allows the company to send us all the units that are to be registered via um, a data dump to to um, a data dump into our system that has been designed specifically for registration, and the system was designed uh, to in, include all the regulations. And so, once that registry, the registration data dump comes through our system, it tells us who actually can be registered or which are actually not able to register because of the different requirements imposed. So we have about six thousand. Uh, approved registrations uh, as of now, uh, and so we uh, we believe that the the system is working fine. Uh, we have some that are in denial process, and then we have others where we have heard complaints that we're investigating uh, the fines. Um, and I think what's important with our job is to ensure that we can also impose strong enough regulations so that these companies then can also self-regulate. So when these operators are denied because the ordinance just says that they can't be operating. When they are found to be operating, the fines are actually and the penalties are quite high. And so we, we use legislation to ensure that the industry is also self-regulating, um, and, and this helps us with our resource allocation. Last thing I want to ask you about, and a quick answer on this one, because we only have sure. about a minute and a half. Uh, Alderman Raymond Lopez is trying to make sure that some profit-making puppy mills and designer dog breeders are uh, not using rescue shelters to filter their dogs onto the market and skirting the city's puppy mill ban. What's the? How's that working out? Uh, I mean, because they tried one thing and that wasn't. It, it seemed like it wasn't going to work. What's what well, is going to work? What I can tell you is that we are um, we are implementing the ordinance that was passed a couple years ago. We are enforcing um, against that ordinance. I look forward to reviewing Alder the alderman's uh, newly introduced ordinance and see. I haven't read it, but it would it will take a look at it and see how we can maybe improve if 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 there is a, a way that we can do that. 
I mean, are you concerned, though, that there, that, that there is a loophole in the existing city law? Well, I think what happens is that the puppy mill um, ordinance uh, indicates that um, they have to come from, um, um, from licensed breeders, and many of these are outside of the state line. And so the city regulates within our city boundaries. But we do uh, um, impose, we, we require that these operators provide a signed affidavit that they got it. They got these uh, puppies from a properly licensed um, uh, licensed uh, uh, operator. If we find that they lied, there are heavy penalties associated with that. That's going to be the final word. That is Rosa Escareño. She is the Commissioner of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection for the City of Chicago. Rosa, thank you so much for spending the time. This is lovely. Thank you. It's been fun. Uh, To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcasts on Radio.com. I'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T Mobile.com.